Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 149. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Chantelle Barros, homeschooling mother and founder of Shining Light Dolls and the Saint Stories for Kids podcast. Chantal shares the inspiration behind her projects with a focus on helping children to grow up with their faith surrounding them and helping them to realize that they are part of a much larger community of faith. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and Director of Development for Colby Academy. Hi, Stephen. How's your week going? Week is going very well. Uh, Yes, spring is just around the corner here in Arkansas, so it's a a lovely time to uh, be homeschooling. Definitely, yes. It's a beautiful time of year. Today, we're getting to visit with Chantal Barros, a Catholic homeschooling mom and business owner whose products may very well be in our listeners' homes or on their wish lists right now. She's the founder of Shining Light Dolls and the creator and host of the Saint Stories for Kids podcast. Hi, Chantel, and welcome to the Colby cast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I'm so excited to meet you and visit with you. Uh, we have many of your dolls in in our home. We've uh, My girls are teenagers now, but I'm not parting with our dolls anytime soon. So that's <laughs> <my> question. <laughs> they have been here for a long time. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm really excited for the opportunity to meet you and visit with you. I understand that you have a background in art and oil portraiture and that you started your company before you had kids, so whom you now homeschool. Uh, would you fill us out would you fill out the picture a bit for us so that we can get to know you a little better? Yeah, so I started the company actually. It'll be it was just the 11th year anniversary of incorporating the business a few days ago. Oh, wow. So, going at it for 11 years. <laughs> Thank you. Um Prior to that, uh, like you mentioned, I was an artist. I did oil painting, portraiture, fine art. So kind of totally different than what I do now with Shining Light (laughs) Dolls. Um, But uh, yeah, I live in the Midwest with my husband and our three kids. And we homeschool and we homeschool together and work together. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Beautiful. Love it. Well, I'm going to do my best from... To, re- to keep from gushing too much about the dolls, but our elementary school teachers, from what I understand, they're big fans of your St. Maximilian Colby doll. Um, if you look closely, he's visible on the new preschool page on the Colby website. So I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes. So, so oh, awesome. Him out. Yeah, he's right there on the desk as the teacher's reading to the class. So, but to that end, would you take us back to the beginning of how Shining Light Dolls came to be? Yeah. Oh gosh. So back then my, I have a brother who's 12 years older than me. So he was uh, starting to have his children and um, they asked me to be the godmother. And I was looking around for something that I could buy for them. And um, particularly for his first son, who is now very big and <laughs> makes me sad, makes me feel really old. Anyway. Um, so back then I was, you know, in my early 20s or mid 20s, I guess. And um, a starving artist, as we all know, like oil painters don't make a ton of money. And I was also teaching cake decorating classes. And uh, so I was looking for something that was relevant to children and affordable, um, but really particularly something that sort of uh, would speak to the heart of a child, and they would feel like it was relevant to them, and that it sort of 
fit into their world, their toy world, right? That it was something that wouldn't be over there on a shelf that they couldn't touch, but that they could feel like it was for them and it was relevant to their life. I also had this idea that, you know, giving a child a product, a toy that's made, it shows them that there are other people that also buy these things and believe these things. And it, it shows them that they're part of a community, even if they don't see that community. Because um, I, I had in mind a lot of the people that I went to school with who are no longer practicing their faith. And, and so, you know, things that would have shown them that the faith is still relevant, it's still active, there are people still participating, that it matters and that people care enough about it to produce things for children. Um, so that was the inspiration of the company. Over the years, it's really grown and changed as I have my own children. Um, they are like the number one inspiration for what I do now and what I'm creating and how the company has developed. Um, and my customers are also the inspiration, just hearing other moms and becoming a mom and watching my children and how they learn and how they play. It's sort of been like my kids and my business have been growing together uh, side by side. I love hearing how that came to be. And I'm really curious about your your team and, and all the things between the inspirations that you mentioned and the new products that are now available. But I'd just love to hear more about it, how how that all goes. So we're still actually a pretty small uh, company team-wise. <laughs> I work with my husband and one of my best friends actually works with us as well. Um, she handles like customer service and care and I am the creative side of the business. So I do all of the product development and design and I write the podcast and my husband uh, handles a lot of logistics for us. So, you know, dealing with our uh, shipping partner and stuff that I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he also edits the podcast for us. So we're a very much like a family run little business here. I'm a little curious. I mean, so you gave us a little bit of background, but why a doll in particular? Or, or even what was the first, what was the first thing? The first doll, the first, what was it? So our very first, the very first doll that I made was Our Lady of Guadalupe. And it was a classic doll. And actually, I designed the first 11 at the same time. So it was the Virgin Mary Around the World collection, and it was the classic dolls. And um, I really just loved the fact that you can teach children about different cultures and apparitions, or through Marian apparitions, and this idea that, you know, God and Mary and the saints are for everyone, and it's this global community. And I just thought that that was such a beautiful way to sort of approach it, and why did I do the classic dolls? The classic dolls actually were um, inspired by like a couple different facets of what I was seeing and interested in at that time in my life. So they are, they were inspired by sort of um, like pop culture collectibles at that time. So I really liked like Sanrio and uh, Funko toys and that sort of thing. the little like collectibles. And um, I thought that it was cool because from the very beginning, I want to make sure that they were safe for children from zero and up. Um, but I thought that they were also cute enough that, you know, you could put it on a desk or collect them as like, you know, in your bedroom, your favorite patron saint. So it was sort of like a, a toy and like a Funko collectible sort of thing. So yeah, it was the Virgin Mary on the world were the first 11 dolls that we that we did. That's really fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
when I first became aware of them, I, I was really interested in all of the sort of wood toys and natural rubber toys that they could play with that were safer than like you're speaking to. And so mm-hmm. when I saw these come along, I was like, oh, this is great how they bring those together. And and I find that very interesting, your, your insight about uh, the products speaking the products that are available speaking to the faith that other people share with us and, and how it's important enough. It's worth, it's worth producing. And that's very interesting. I had not really gotten that far. Yeah. I think that there's something just about like, um, cause I, you know, as an artist, that was my, my background and doing, you know, one-off oil paintings, they're very like precious. They're one of a kind. And then I moved into this world of making things that were for a lot of people, but that was, that was very much my intention was to try to make it like, this is for a lot of people. It's for everyone. We're like all in this together. And I wanted kids to feel like, just like when they go to the store and they see a Barbie, they know that other kids have Barbies, right? Mm-hmm. And if you saw a, a beautiful little Saint doll in a box, then you have that feeling that it's not just like one of a kind, which is strange way to say it because we all love one of a kind things and they're beautiful but at a certain in a certain way it's also important to say like this is important enough that people are making it on a larger scale and and we're a part of a community and it's you're not alone sort of in your faith um and maybe that speaks to sort of like you know where I was in my early 20s watching a lot of people fall away from the fall away from the church and I didn't want you know, my nephews to feel like this is like just our family or just like something that I made for them, which is beautiful. Again, I'm not knocking that, but I wanted it to kind of also feel like there are more of us, you know, we are a community and it is worth producing for these children to show them that it's worth it and you get these toys. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot going on in my head for like what I'm thinking about making toys. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of layers, right? There's a lot of layers when you're designing, when you're creating, there's like the the business, the social, the religious aspects. We try to like work all of that into what we're doing here. That was becoming obvious to me as you were talking. It's like, oh, you've got this idea of spreading, you know, making a larger community. Then you pick the Blessed Mother from all of these different parts yeah. of the world. And it's all, it's all fitting together for uh, things. That's really, yeah, that's fun. And it makes all sorts of sense too, as we're, I mean, we've talked before on, in previous conversations about surrounding our environments with beautiful things and things that call to mind our faith and even just living out the faith in a daily manner and putting things in our midst that help us do that. It makes all sorts of sense for young children as well. And of course we read to them and, and take them to church and, and do all those sorts of things, but here it brings it right to where they can experience it. And it, I hate to use the word normalize, but it's like, make it this puts it front and center. Like this is yeah. very important to us. And it's, here's one way we show that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that actually is a great word is like normalizing it, right? Like it shouldn't be like weird to be like a Catholic, right? It should right, be yeah. like, or here's your statue just, from your baptism and don't touch it. And let, but, but you know, yeah. it's important, but it's hard. That really yeah. kind of brings it down to it is important. And it's so important that here, here's this for you to interact exactly. with a lot. Yeah. It makes all sorts of sense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, yeah, it can kind of feel sort of like contradictory in a way because like the articles of our faith are like precious and sacred and we try to keep them like precious and sacred. But I think that for me personally, the more like I understand about like um, how children interact with their world and how they learn, like it, it just makes sense, right? Like children learn through play and they learn through interacting with their environment. So I've had like a, you know, 
a complete flip of my viewpoint, right? It was like before when I first started, it was like, oh, I don't know how people are going to feel about this. Like, you know, playing with things that are supposed to be like very precious and very holy. Um, But then, you know, the more that I have learned through research as, you know, working through this like form of education that we do, and even just as a parent, and I see my kids interacting with their environment and playing, and I'm like, no, this totally makes sense. This is like absolutely a fantastic way to to teach them and to let them experience God on in their childlike way, right? It's like, we want them to have that encounter. And so they need the love them to encounter in the way that makes sense for them is, is a good thing. It is a holy thing, I think. Yeah, I remember um, my youngest son, his name, his name is Elijah. And at one point we had given him a little stuffed raven. And so for forever then it was this is my raven just like elijah had the ravens come and feed him when he was and he'd hear the story at mass and and it's like oh it's 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 my story this is this is it it connects i can see that it connects them with a saint or with something we want them to be connected to but they love it and they hold on to that and absorb it so it's that's fantastic that's beautiful yeah it makes it personal right it makes it gives them that personal connection to to God, to Jesus, to the saints, and it becomes theirs. And I think that that's what really makes something stick, right? It's not like the faith of these like people far away from me or other people's, it, they get ownership over it. And, you know, and it, it just allows God to speak to them in their own personal way. And that's when that relationship starts to be formed. And it's that like relational aspect that I think lasts the longest, right? It's not just like the facts that you learn, it's that that relationship that you develop with God, that really is what will, will keep you um, close to him. The most important thing, right? So that's, that is so significant because as I know we've talked in, I think on our podcast before about sometimes as Catholics, we get a little wrapped up with all of the details, which are all good details. They're all wonderful, but, but at least for me personally, and I think for many Catholics, we, we lose that kind of idea. Wait, wait, this is about, me and Jesus and me and the saints and yeah. it's about us together. And, and I can see how that's being encouraged then through this interaction at a, at a young level and encouraged, which is great. Great. Yeah. I was thinking about this uh, a while ago when we started introducing more like play sets. Um, we started with the dolls and then we, I started doing like these wooden play sets last year because of my kids and like the way that they were interacting and like um, having multiple pieces in it. I did one where it's like a Jesus and St. Peter wave stacker, right? So you get Jesus and you get St. Peter and you get the little waves. And I personally love that because when I watch my kids interacting with it and they are acting out that Bible story of St. Peter, like starting to sink in the water. And it's almost like watching someone participate in a play-based version of like Ignatian contemplation and imaginative prayer, right? You're supposed to like put yourself in that Bible story And that's literally what the kids are doing. They're entering into that Bible story. And so it's like play prayer and they don't even like know that they're doing it right. They don't like take themselves seriously, but you know, they'll say things later to me that are like these beautiful, like insights, right? Like, Oh, like Peter was scared because he stopped looking at Jesus. Like my son said to me and I was like, yes, like keep your eyes on Jesus. Right. Like, and, and so it's, it's like, yeah, I see it as like a form of prayer for children you know, they can put themselves either in the lives of the saints or into those Bible stories. And having those tangible manipulatives really helps children with that kind of thing. 
the beautiful expressions on their faces, I think lay such a neat groundwork for these are our friends in heaven and they're praying for us and we can get to know them as people. I think that I just think it's neat. Before we move on, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you manage running your business and homeschooling. It's a, it's a family endeavor. Everyone's in it together, which is beautiful. How do you make that work though? I think we have a lot of families who are, who are wondering. (laughs) Yeah. So how do we make it work? Well, it is a family endeavor. So, you know, me and my husband are on the same page and that really helps a lot and running the business. Well, so I like to think of myself primarily as a mom. That's like my first job. And so um, I like to try to fit the business around my life as a mom. So for me, that looks like I don't spend a lot of time doing like, uh, like watching TV or having like extracurriculars for myself. Um, I do usually do my work when we have like quiet time. So after our schoolwork is done during quiet time, or I'll wake up early in the morning and work before my kids are awake. And that's just like me. That's like my personal choice, I guess. And, uh, you know, also doing it together with my husband really helps too. So sometimes I'll do the homeschool with my older with my son, with my first child, and and he'll do the kindergarten and the younger with my the younger preschool with my two younger children, so that really helps. And um, yeah, I really like homeschooling. I was thinking about this, like sort of in preparation for our speaking with you guys today, and I actually think that it's easier for me to do homeschool than probably a traditional school while uh, running a business because of the flexibility that it offers, you know, we can do the school at whatever time of day we want. Um, We can take days off if we need to, but also just like the day to day, like I'm a very like lazy person. (laughs) So like having to like get up and like get the kids ready and like go in the car and like drive and like sit in a pickup line, like I just like don't want to do that. And so I love, I love that like homeschool, we can just like, you know, have breakfast, it'd be really casual, just like move right into what my son is doing or working on and the girls, it just feels actually easier to me. So um, in addition to all the wonderful reasons for homeschooling that we like doing it, but but yeah, I actually find it to be easier and uh, work easier with our schedule. You know, there's a, a lot less, um, I'm big on like time management, right? Because when you have a business and a family, time management matters. And so for me, we're actually saving a lot of time and like not having to drive everyday places, not having to like fight the kids into the car and out of the car. And, you know, it's those like moments that sort of add up that give me the time to, you know, work on the business or cook dinner. And so, yeah, I think it really works for, for our life. (laughs) I found similar. We, our kids used to be in parochial school and then we changed to homeschooling and I found the same to be true. We got a lot of time back. It was logistically simpler in many ways. And it surprised me and it's surprises people. When I say, when I tell them that they're like, how can that be? But it's, I have found it to be very true also. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like unless you're just going to completely say, just delegate parenting to somebody else and teaching that, yeah, there's, there's, there's no way it's going to save time to have somebody else do that because you still have to get the kids, like all these things that you're saying, but then you still have to spend the time engaging and, but then you've got to worry about what other people are talking about and what the other children are saying. And and at least yeah. you have more control over that when you're you're you've got your kids at home with you and you can talk about it and keep them expose them to the things that they're ready to be exposed to a little bit more than 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That as well. Like in addition to all of my like lazy reasons that I just listed. <laughs> Not lazy, I, ordered. I really, yeah. Like, you know, I really just appreciate the, like what you were saying that you can teach your children at the pace that fits your family, expose them to what you want to expose them to not have to worry about like um, a lot of the crazy stuff that goes on in today's world. Um, and also, you know, we also love it because each one of our children has a different learning style. And so we're able to tailor it to their needs. Like they're completely different. And that was such a fun experience as a mom to see that, right? That like, even though they're the same children raised in the same home, like we've controlled the variables, they're very different yeah. and they have different learning styles. And it's so wonderful to be able to give them each what they need and have that flexibility. And even the flexibility to change the program from year to year based on like their needs. So yeah, we, we actually really love it. Like it, it really fits with our, our, our like family culture and our, our, you know, logistics, like you were saying with owning a business. And then the podcast, so the podcast came for after the dolls came into being. So mm -hmm. how did, how did that, how did you decide let's, I'm going to do a podcast now? How'd that work? <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. That was inspired by my son. So I started the podcast when he was, um, I actually don't remember how old he was. He was a toddler sometimes where he was a toddler, or maybe he was like in maybe kindergarten somewhere around there. It's been a while, but, um, when he was a toddler, so the inspiration started when he was a toddler, when he was a toddler, he loved listening. He is an auditory learner. And so he loved listening to story podcasts for children. So while I was like doing dishes or, you know, making dinner, he would be like, puttering around in his play kitchen and I would put on stories for him to listen to and he would just listen and listen and listen and uh on the feast of our lady of Guadalupe I was like telling him the story in the kitchen and I was like oh you know what I wonder if there's like a podcast version of this story I'm sure there must be like that would be great for you to listen to this is like your favorite thing so I went to the iTunes store and I was looking at the podcast and I couldn't find a story of our lady of Guadalupe for kids and I was like, oh, that's a really like, that's something that like, I really want for kids. Like I could, I could do that. And then I didn't do it for a year because I really didn't feel qualified. I was like, I'm not a podcaster. I'm not like a voice actor. No one wants to listen to my voice telling stories. So that was, I, I was like, oh, I can't do it. Like, like I said at the beginning, like very introverted. I did not want to like put myself out there in a podcast. Yeah. Um. But after a year, I was like, it just like kept coming back, right? Like it kept coming back. Like the Holy Spirit was like, come on, come on, you got to do it. Like give it, a, give it a go, give it a go. And so finally, a year later, I wrote the first one and we started recording. And uh, yeah, so it was my son. Once again, he was my inspiration. And most of my things are either my my children or my customers. It's like, it, or my kids are like, mom, I want this. Or I see them interacting with something or my customers are like, hey, we want this. Or I hear them like, you know, talking about what they need and what they're looking for um, as parents. So, yeah, it was my son. And uh, I'm really glad that I did give it a go. We've had like millions of listens now to the podcast. And it's, I think, a resource that I love being able to give to people because these are like our collective stories. And so being able to like share them with children is has been like really um, gratifying. I've found them great for supplementing our homeschool studies. We, when I, we were driving to parochial school, we would listen to those a lot and we would be able to 
two went up for the whatever feast day was happening. You have quite the yeah, awesome. of them. So I've I've really enjoyed listening to them. And they're they're beautifully produced too with the you've got background music and sound effects. Thank and- you. Yeah, that's just my husband. Like it, we're very like <laughs> <laughs> We just like record it in, in one of our bedrooms and then my husband edits it. So, oh, I'm, yeah, it's amazing what God can do, like, even with your like very poorly, <laughs> poorly done efforts. Like, God is really amazing in that way. <laughs> we rely a lot here on like the Holy Spirit. I'm very much like running my business, like, <laughs> Jesus, like, take the wheel. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and look what beauty has come from it. Thank you. Are are you still are you still developing podcast episodes? You're still working on that. Yeah, we are. Um, I've like so the original podcast um schedule was that I was um, matching it to feast days that would be coming up in the liturgical calendar, and like after a couple of years, you sort of like hit like the bottom barrel of like yeah, obscurity, hard. right? <laughs> like where you're like, okay, we've already done like the really well known things, and now I'm like going really far back here. Um, which has actually been really fun. So we're still trying to do it that way. And then we're also trying to add in something, uh, some podcasts that are more like seasonal, right? So like Lent episodes we have going up right now. And um, we might do something with like a little bit of a different theme, right? So that it maybe we'll do like a summer theme or something like that. But the original series were all based on the liturgical calendar. And so when you're developing new dolls, are you thinking of, are you thinking what the podcast for that doll will be as well? Are they, are there, are they tied to new? somehow or they're not like I wish I was more coordinated but they're not um the the, <laughs> the I'm just kidding no the the podcast was absolutely sort of like living through the liturgical year and kind of celebrating the feast days of the saints and then you know because um I like to think of it sort of like the 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 person that is maybe purchasing something has a different need than the person who is listening to the podcast and so here we have sort of like celebrating the feast through their stories and I always try to you know fit in like a catholic like moral moral teaching at the end or something you know to tie with like the moral moral of the story and then the products like I said are sort of maybe they're focused on um a need of a parent right so like we did um like water cards for church right because we we spoke to our parents and they I said like what's the most what's your pain point? What's your biggest pain point as a Catholic parent? And they're like sitting through mass with children. <laughs> and so I came up with like the water cards. They're like alphabet water cards where it's like an item in the church. So, so the physical products and the podcasts are sort of like different, like mental venues that I'm like running down. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I, our kids are um, teenagers now. And so I have admired your products for a long time. And we have many of the, of the early ones. And I, and I shop them for my nieces who are younger, but it's neat to hear about so much else that has been going on with your, with your company and, and all you have in development. And when I've got, been preparing for this episode and seen, you know, your blankets and the the wooden toys that you have mm-hmm. and, and all the, all the beautiful things and, and even fabric on spoon flower. I thought that was really fun to mm-hmm. see the fabric you have there. And so I'm just happy for you to see how it has grown from the time that I was delighted to find your stuff when my kids were little and see how it has come so far. Thank you so much. I'd love to talk some more about play-based learning and incorporating it into daily liturgical life. What do you mean when you say that? And and what does that look like for you guys and, and 
that sort of thing? Yeah. So obviously my kids do have a lot of my toys, all of them, because I'm their mom. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for them, it does look like, you know, they, they snuggle their stuffies at, at bedtime. Right. So from the, for like daily, I would call it like daily Catholic life, right? Like we have our, our plushies that we snuggle. My son has his St. Raphael because he was having nightmares. So he requested a St. Raphael plushie because he's the patron saint of nightmares. So it looks like, you know, it looks like playtime, right? And um, even aside from like, like products, right? Even aside from physical toys, I think sometimes play can take a lot of different forms for children. So it can be um, imaginative play where they're doing like role playing. Um, that was actually one of the reasons, another thing that I, I really like about the podcast and the stories is that when you give a child a story, they can then sort of act out that story, right? If you've ever like, seen a kid watch like a t one of their favorite tv shows and then they go and like pretend to be that character and act it out in role play and so I really like that aspect of the stories is that sort of like they can become that that person and do that role play activity I actually saw in one of my son's books that um Saint Teresa of Avila used to do like role play of pretending to be like a hermit and then she would like build like little hermitages and wanted to be like a saint that way. And um, so it can look like that, right? It can look like pretending to be a hermit, right? And building a little fort out of sticks. It can look like pretending that you're St. George battling a dragon with a stick for a sword. And like one of your siblings is probably going to be the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so that's like role play, right? And that's like daily sort of incorporating the lives of the saints into their sort of imagination right the imagination of the child and then as far as like incorporating into um like special feast days and seasons actually that's a great example of like saint george right and the dragon um and the sword there's another feast day michael mass right and our we had like a catholic play group that we were part of and we would do like a saint michael mass bonfire and the kids would wear little capes and pretend they're archangels and carry around the sticks and so, you know, they remember that and they remember those moments and it they remember those feast days and they ask about them. Even when you think that it's just like one day, one play group and they're little and they don't remember, but they do like the next year, they're like, are we going to go and like have the capes and the swords? Like that was so much fun. And they remember those special feast days when, when they are, you know, experiencing it through like that lens of childhood. So yeah, it's like, it's bringing it in and in these like simple ways. And I think stories are the best way to like sort of you know spark that imagination and then kind of see where the kids take it yeah that's really interesting as you were talking about that because i was certainly one of those boys who just was in my head imagining i was whatever um and i was as you're saying that i'm thinking i mean star wars is nice but i mean i i probably it would be better to have been saint michael rather you know if yeah. Well, I can be Luke Skywalker for a little bit and then be St. Michael, but but to have that that material to basically be thinking about and practicing and, and such is really wonderful. Yeah. And so with playlist learning, one of the the sort of like important things is sort of framing it for children, right? Like an example would be you like tell them the story, and then maybe before you had told them the story, you would like lay out some materials for them to encounter when they're done hearing the story so that they can sort of interact with it. And that can look like things that you find around your house and or it can look like, you know, specific toys. But yeah, sort of 
it's it's almost like guided imaginative play. So you give the story and then you sort of like lay some groundwork there and then you kind of let the Holy Spirit like take them where they may, right? Are they going to choose to be, you know, St. Peter in the story? Or are they going to choose to be Jesus in the story? You know, where where is their imagination leading them today? I produce toys for kids for Catholic play-based learning, but I think that you can do it with other things like in your home too, right? Like you can take like, um, your, your blocks, you know, and, uh, this was actually a really fun one for the feast of St. Teresa of Avila. She talks about the, the seven cat interior castles. And so we took the kids like blocks and we made like circular, like little circular castles, right. One inside the other. And then we put one figure in the middle and we put St. Teresa on the outside. And we said like, you know, Teresa believes that the key to getting to Jesus, who's in the center of these castles is prayer and it unlocks the door. So every time like you sort of go further in, you get like closer to those glimpses of God who's at the center of the castle. And the kids really loved it. Like they love that I was like sitting on the floor with them and we made these like circular castles. And, you know, it was this like really beautiful way for them to visualize this like theological concept that probably a kid that age is not usually even hearing right like what like my five-year-old is like yeah like jesus is at the center of the interior castle (laughs) right like that's not something that you would hear but because we were doing it in a play way they totally like got it and they were excited about it and interested in it so yeah it's like i think it's really fun and it's a great way also i think for parents to engage with their children in their faith life because children love to be played with too so when you take that time to play with them um, that also, I think, reinforces the message of whatever you're playing and talking about. Those little minds, I was just thinking, they're going to they're going to put their imagination to work in some way or another. So it's nice when you can <laughs> focus on something that's worth them thinking about and imagining and such, and and participating. And it shows that it's it's not just something for kids either. It's you know, something that uh, we should all be focused on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's also. Um, finding ways to play like that has also enriched, I think, my own life and my own like prayer life. Because when you sort of like see the faith again through the eyes of a child and you sort of are like almost like re-educating yourself, it's, it's been like a beautiful experience, like to, to be able to do this with my children. It's been very enriching for me as well in my own spiritual life. Because, you know, Jesus says to be childlike. (laughs) And so it's good for the whole family, honestly. Like, it's been good for all of us. Do you ever encounter folks who are kind of iffy on the idea of of playing? They have a hard time getting to that place where they feel comfortable engaging in the play with them or with their kids? Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's definitely, like, sometimes some, like, hesitation. Um, And I think specifically we have like sometimes over the years, I've encountered people who are specifically hesitant about the idea of like play-based learning when it comes to theology or religion. You know, we talked about how there's this idea that it's like very, and it is, it's very like sacred and holy and not to be like, you know, made, made fun. Right. But that's not what playing is. Playing isn't like making fun of something. It's, it's, um, encountering it just in the way that makes sense to the mind of a child right sort of like saint Teresa of avila trying to be a hermit like that wasn't because she was like making light of it it was because in her little world she took it very seriously and really wanted to do that and that's how she was showing it um but i think that over the years you know 
when we first started the company, there was absolutely a lot of hesitancy, right, about this idea of like Catholic toys. And over the last 11 years, a lot has changed. And I think that um, people see that it works, right? And so they are like, oh, but it's maybe it's not, maybe it's not bad. And I actually had an experience like that myself. I decided to make uh, for the first time, like a wooden mass set, like a wooden mass kit, right? So you have like a um, chalice, a patent, a little, you know, Eucharist. And um, at first I was like, I don't know about this, right? Like this is something like very, very precious, very sacred. And I, I don't want it to be seen as like making light of it. Um, but I got my prototype in the mail and I put it on the table and my son started interacting with it. And he took so much more interest in that, in the, in the sacrifice of the mass, right? He was like suddenly like putting himself in the role of the priest and interacting with these items. And now he knew the names of everything. And a few weeks after we got the prototype in, my father-in-law actually passed away. And about a week after that happened, my son was like having a rough time with it. And he actually offered like a little funeral mass, like in our living room. And it was really beautiful because you could see that he was processing that loss through the lens of his faith. And that was like really significant for me. And it made it me realize like, wow, like it isn't just like a toy for him. It's actually helping him to sort of like process this in a way that, you know, makes sense and through the lens of like his faith. And it was really, it was really actually quite beautiful. And um, so I decided to make that product based on watching my son interact with it because I was like, well, you know, we're super Catholic, right? We're like uber Catholic. Like I own like a Catholic business. You have like every Catholic toy out there. <laughs> um, and yet, you know, bringing this in here and allowing you to interact with it, it totally changed his attention at that part of the mass. It changed like his knowledge of those items. And then it also was super significant that he knew that he could like that the mass mattered in your processing of like grief and it was really yeah so based on watching my own son i decided to produce that product because i was like well there might be some pushback maybe some people aren't comfortable with the idea of playing with some of these items but yeah he just it just made sense for me it just clicked that it it meant something and i know now that he's internalized that super important part of our faith if not the most important you know part of our faith he's internalized it and owned it in a way that i i don't know you know how long it would have taken him to do that in another way yeah it's almost like a question of is this uh, it's no less reverent exactly we're not losing we're not being irreverent correct by, by yeah playing like that and we hear so much like play is the work of the child or that's how children learn so yeah there's still reverence there and the way that we the way that we show up to that can can convey that reverence even even as we're like working with them using them yeah exactly there he and he played with it reverently too like that was the interesting thing to watch is like you know he he like you can see him like trying to like be like you know like our priest right like he got like very serious and he was taking himself very seriously it was actually super sweet and really beautiful that he understood that it would should be interacted with like in this reverent way and even just like thinking of it from that perspective I really kind of like the fact that he was putting himself in the priest's shoes right he was pretending to be a priest right like we let our kids pretend else right we pretend to be like superheroes or farmers or you know 
race car drivers, but like how wonderful it was to let him pretend to be a priest, which is such an important job. And it's a, you know, we, we pretend play all these other roles in society. Why not one of the most important, which is like, you know, the priest who offers this holy sacrifice of the mass. So it was really lovely. Yeah, definitely sounds successful when you're, when you're incorporating all of that faith into their daily life, where so often we just have a tendency to have a break, you know, where it's kind of like, well, mass is what we do on Sunday or whenever we can happen to get to, we, we don't have a whole lot of weekday masses here in rural Arkansas, but, um, you know, but to have, have that, as you, even as you were saying, the processing of the grief be part of turning to your, the faith that being incorporated at such a young age is really, really nice because that doesn't always happen. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen that you have that connection it can sometimes be too separate, but yeah. I did that again, that, I guess that normalizing word, which I've not, I don't love it, but it seems to fit for now that, that this is how, just to bring it to where that's what he thought to do when he was missing his grandfather. Yeah. And I think that as adult Catholics, we have those things, right? We have sacramentals as adult Catholics, right? We can light a candle, use holy water. We have our rosaries. We have all of these tangible things. And so I think that the kids obviously have those too, except for candles, but um, giving them things that um, represent their faith to them that they can interact with and like process, I think is really helpful. And whether it's like the highs and lows of life or even just learning lessons or whatever, it's it's nice to give them physical things that they can interact with because we are, you know, we are physical creatures, right? <laughs> so it's a really nice way to sort of give the kids something to interact with. And actually, I actually want to mention this since I said the candle thing, one of the, one of the most successful products that we released last year was an advent wreath. And it's an advent wreath that kids can like take a little wooden disc and light and unlight it. Right. And they love that. They love, they love interacting with that. And so it's just those moments where you're sort of like allowing them that interaction with those, like um, those articles of faith whether it's like a little candle because they love lighting candles at church so they can like, you know, light this on light this without harming themselves, um, put it together, sort of build a wreath, change the candles, light and unlight. It just, it allows them to enter into their faith level. They don't have to wait till they're a grown up, right? They don't have to wait till it's safe for them to play with fire, to touch a very precious statue or whatever. They can enter right into it at that child level. That's really neat. Thank you. That was also inspired by my son. So what, one of the candles that's coming is um, it has the eternal rest prayer on the back, right? Because sometimes when someone passes, you can say a prayer for them and light a candle. And so I like the idea of being able to just give it to my kids and not have to worry about like them setting the house on fire. But that <laughs> way they can, you know, interact with it when they feel like they want to like light a candle, say a prayer, right? Because that's always my kids favorite part of church is like lighting the candles at the end for people like a little vote of candles. So bringing that home and letting them be able to do that at their, on their own level, you know, next to their bedside, whatever, um, and learn the prayer at the same time, right? Take a moment to pray and, and sort of incorporate that prayer into the physical act of interacting with the candle. I think it would probably also relieve a lot of stress that we tend to have when we do have candles around the table with my children, <laughs> yes. both young and old. It's, how many times are we going to light blow out the candles, wax all over the place. Uh, 
that's why you know just use these use use these when you want to to canvas yeah absolutely <laughs> all right well so as we're reaching the end of our of our conversation which has just been wonderful i've really enjoyed it so much um do you have any takeaways you want to leave with our listeners oh that's a good question um I think like, you know, I think my biggest takeaway, um, since I own a company that like makes physical things, I think that my takeaway would be not necessarily that I'm trying to push my things, but that I think that the idea of playing with your children in a faith-based way is really beautiful and enriching and you can do it for free and you can do it with things around your home. Sometimes it just requires like a little creative thinking, telling that story and then laying out some things that maybe match what what you're working with. So that's my takeaway. Like give a give a try to um, play-based learning for your faith and uh, have fun with it. That's fabulous. Good deal. Well, we have sure enjoyed our time visiting with you. I'm so glad I got to meet you today and, and get to know you a little bit and hear more about your business and, and wish you all the best as, as it continues and, and all the best to your family. Thanks so much, Chantel, for coming to visit with us. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed my time today. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.